Welcome to Ticket Weeknights. Okay, here's the deal with Nicole. Live from Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. She's just going to tell it like it is. Nicole is, uh, she's very wise. Sometimes you're not going to like it. Here is your host, Nicole Griffin. Nick Sander back with you. Harrison Arns sitting alongside as well. No Nicole Griffith tonight. She is out of town for a wedding, so she obviously can't do a radio show because she's out of town for a wedding. Um, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the uh, Sarder Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire show. Thanks again to Steve Mark of Hale Varsity for hanging out with me for, geez, that was probably a 20-minute conversation. I feel bad. I we just started talking. You know, it is what it is. Um, a little bit of Husker women's basketball flavored sprinkled in there as well. So appreciate Steve for coming on and talking about that important summer for them. If, if you've missed any of the news before we dive back into Husker football, uh, Nebraska women's basketball program has added a talented and experienced assistant coach with the hiring of Jessica Keller. Husker head, head coach Amy Williams announced on Monday. Keller comes to Nebraska after spending five seasons as an assistant at Illinois State, including two seasons as the associate head coach. In her final season with the Redbirds, Keller helped lead Illinois State to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament title and a bid to the 2022 NCAA Tournament. Amy Williams said this, quote, We are thrilled thrilled to add Jessica Keller to our Husker women's basketball staff. She is an outstanding basketball mind with great teaching skills, and she has established herself as a person of high character and integrity. She is a tireless worker that fits perfectly with the culture here in Nebraska, and I am am excited to have her pouring into the young woman in our program. Um, And then she goes on to say, before serving five seasons as an assistant at Illinois State, Keller spent three as the head coach at Columbia College in Missouri. A little bit more of uh, coaching notes. Switching sports to Husker softball, this one is kind of interesting and and might perk your ears up or eyebrow, you know, make them raise a little bit. Husker softball head coach Rhonda Ravel announced the addition of Mark Watt on Monday as the vol- as a volunteer coach for the Huskers. Um, you might recognize that name. Watt joins the Husker staff after spending the last 20 years at Lincoln Southwest as the head coach of the varsity softball team. He helped the Silverhawks to four state titles, 2008, 2009, 2018, and 2021, and he also led the Silverhawks to nine Heartland Athletic Conference tournament titles, eight regular season conference titles, and 13 district championships. Uh, Ronda Ravel said this quote, we are so excited to announce the addition of Mark Watt to our coaching staff. Mark is a winner. He is a person of high integrity, a fierce competitor that always does everything the right way. Mark has been around Nebraska softball for years, working camps and clinics as he has an instant. It has a passion for learning and for the game. We look forward to having this championship coach join the red team. It's a great day to be a Husker. So how about that? So Mark Watt, who led the Lincoln Southwest Silverhawks varsity softball team the last 20 years, joins Nebraska softball as a volunteer coach. So volunteer, but that's uh, that's actually really interesting. I, that I, I read that and I thought, wait, Mark Watt, that name sounds really, really familiar. And they, they send out a press release to a couple of or to us 
And it just says Watt joins the Huskers after spending the last 20 years at Lincoln Southwest. So interesting stuff. I, I, I really, really cool to hear actually about that. Um, couple silver Hawks on the softball team. First one comes to mind, Abby Squire. Uh, so she'll be reunited with her old coach. And, and so super cool stuff there. Once again, Mark Watt heads to be the volunteer coach for Husker softball. And Jessica Keller uh, joins Nebraska women's basketball as an assistant as well, replacing Chuck Love, who resigned earlier this offseason. All right. Once again, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line. Both those continue to be open for you. Ole Miss in college baseball. Ole Miss has broken things up 19-5. to They lead Arizona. Arkansas and Oklahoma State are still tied at zero. And UConn is up on Maryland 6-1. to I want to get to that conversation here in a little bit about Big Ten baseball, and how they're faring, because one of them, one of the teams, already lost earlier today in Michigan. They lost eleven to nine on the road at Louisville, and now things aren't looking too good for the Terrapins either. So I want to talk about that kind of the future of Big Ten baseball as well. There's a couple interesting things with um, scholarship limits and assistant coaches that might be coming down and, and heading towards Big Ten baseball in the coming year. So I kind of want to discuss that um, in the next couple minutes. We'll have to take four breaks in this 7 o'clock hour since we only took two and went a little long with Steve Mark, but that's all right. It was really good stuff there over Husker football. One of the things that Steve Mark kind of talked about was Malachi Coleman and how big it is for Nebraska as a program to kind of start getting the in-state talent that can come in and, and maybe be a game changer sooner rather than later. And I'm not saying that Mar- uh, Malachi is a guy like that where you can expect him to be a game changer or a game breaker like Vershawn likes to say on day one. I, I think it's okay that Nebraska is would eventually be at a point to where guys, no matter how highly touted they are coming out of high school, they're not anywhere close to as talented or as good as the guys you have in the room already. Like, I feel like talking through talking to Vershawn and talking to other former Huskers that the way it used to be, right, we always talk about how it used to be and getting back to that, the way it used to be was you come in, you wait your turn, you work hard, whether you're on scout team or whether you're not, and you just wait your turn to play football on Saturdays. But you embrace the grind. Now, with college football the way it is nowadays, might not be that way. And... Nebraska, if if they want to stay in in not relevancy, I don't think that's the right word. If they just want to stay on top of things and be ahead of of wholesale changes throughout entire uh, college football, then they'll adapt and hopefully they'll be okay in the long run. But right now, they haven't been able to get the top talent in the state, and so then you could argue: Are you even getting the best available? that you could. Now, Mickey Joseph's here and is doing a heck of a job of wrangling in-state guys. Malachi Coleman is is one of those. And with that in mind, Malachi, Steve kind of talked about, mentioned a couple times that Malachi had a, had a press conference last night with, with the media members to tell, you know, basically like, Hey, I'm not going to commit till December uh, or until the early signing period opens up. And that's just how it's going to be. Um, he wants to take his other official visits, which I personally think you can't blame him. You do not blame a guy for taking official visits, especially if you've earned them. 
Now, with that in mind, you can't let that get into your head. You can't let, as, as an athlete or as a competitor, you can't let all the glitz and the glam of, of being a, a, a recruit, a high-profile recruit, whether it's in-state or whether it's out-of-state, get to your head. But enjoy the, enjoy the process. Enjoy going on the visits. He has an offer to USC. Bro, go take your trip to USC and, and have the time of your life out there and see what it would be like to be a USC football player. Now, unfortunately, I'm saying that knowing that Lincoln Riley is the head coach and that there's a lot of NIL money out there in Southern California and there's a lot of things that could be more attractive to a football player than it would be in Lincoln, Nebraska. One would be the weather. And and here's the, as bad as it is to say, like Steve talked about, you know, guys that wake up or, or are born and from day one that they can remember they wanted to play for Husker football. I'm not entirely sure Malachi's that way. Malachi wasn't unfor I mean, he's grown up in Nebraska now, but he wasn't born here. And so that's something that we also have to keep in the back of our mind. Now, I feel really good about Nebraska's chances to land a guy like Malachi Coleman because of some of the things he said last night. And and one thing it was posted by my buddy Eddie Messel from 1011 who who does sports for or is one of the sports guys over there. He he posted a video yesterday of Malachi's talk, talking about Mickey Joseph and saying that yeah, he's going to be a guy that steps in as my father figure for 4 years. And when you talk about the off the field stuff like that and not even just how they are as a coach, there's a lot to be excited about and maybe have some good feeling about. And so it, it, with talking about how Nebraska, what position Nebraska's in, man, I feel I feel pretty good about the position that Nebraska football is in about with Malachi Coleman. Now, that's also being said on June 6th, immediately following his visit, visit to Nebraska and understanding and knowing that he has USC on the horizon or Oklahoma or Oregon or literally any other offer that you can think of outside of Alabama. But what's going to happen if Nick Saban comes calling? Is that out of the picture? And that's what I was kind of talking to Vershawn about today. Is can you blame a guy for going to Al- or for wanting to go to Alabama whether or not he's in state? And in the day and age of college football, where a lot of guys, their main goal, and rightfully so, is to get to the league. I mean, what if Alabama or Ohio State come calling? And, and, and translating or, or comparing that to basketball, that's similar to saying Nebraska versus Duke. Or Nebraska versus North Carolina. Or Kansas. How much pull does the in-state connection have when you haven't really recruited in-state very well? I, I, I truly don't know. And I don't know, if, I don't know if anybody knows. And it's going to be one of those things where, as Rashawn likes to say, it just takes one. It takes one to start, be the trailblazer, and then hopefully more and more dominoes continue to fall. But the hardest one to get is that first one. First guy. Yeah, and to touch on that, we have a new show. Uh, it's called What's the Word with, mm-hmm. with Chancellor Brewington, Noah Pola Gates, and uh, Javon. Is it Javon? Is it Javon Wright? Javon. Javon Wright. Uh, those three guys. And 
DP asked him, he's like, who's that leader on that defensive side of the field that's going to, you know, get you guys fired up, make sure you're doing your job. Yeah. And immediately they're all Garrett Nelson, yeah. Scott's Buff, Nebraska. He, he knows what that tradition's about. It's huge to have those guys because yeah. they know what that tradition's like and they are just going to be crazy about it. And if you're not aware, you know, they'll get you caught exactly. up real quick. Well, and, and so when you're talking about leadership also, you need, you need a couple types or a couple guys. It can't just be one. Now, one can be at the forefront and be the dude, but you also need a couple. And by that, you need a couple different types of leaders, in my opinion. One is Garrett Nelson, who is going to let you hear about it if you're doing something wrong. He's also high motor, high energy. He's going to get get in your va- get in your face, yell at you in a good way. But then you also need the guys kind of like behind the scenes that just are are not quiet necessarily, but they lead more by example. And just go, listen, I'm going to take care of my thing over here, and if you want to win, you're going to get behind me and we're going to do this thing. If, if that makes sense. Lead with the actions rather than how you carry yourself visually, if that makes sense. Now, Garrett Nelson, there's a reason that according to AthlonSports.com, he was projected as a first-team all-defensive player for the Big Ten Conference. He, he's going to be a big part of Nebraska's defense. We saw it in the spring game. The guy got to Casey Thompson a ton right off the bat in the spring game. High motor, high energy. And Nebraska's going to need that, need to find a new guy to kind of replace JoJo Doman's role of that high intensity or high energy. So I think that's something as well that maybe we're forgetting, is that whether or not JoJo made mistakes or was really a good defense player, didn't end up getting drafted. Like, putting all that aside, the high motor part, JoJo had that on this team. So now you need Garrett Nelson to step up on top of that and kind of take that role by storm. And I, I, I truly believe that he's doing a, a good job of that in the offseason and, and everything that we're hearing from him personally at press conferences, whether it was in the spring or, or whatever, he, he's taking that job by basically the horns and let's go let's run all right let's go ahead and take a break once again 402-464-5685 going back to the volunteer coach uh coach thing for husker softball bryce said this on the text line coach watt is good man i always loved interacting with coach watt during my time as a student athlete at lincoln southwest so yeah super interesting stuff there uh mark watt joins nebraska softball as a volunteer assistant, Bryce also asked this: Nick, do you see any other football team additions taking on a leadership role within the team? Let's go ahead and answer that question. Kind of dive into this a little bit more. Coming up next, we'll uh, take a break. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Once again, no Nicole Griffith. If you're just joining us, Nick Sander with you. Harrison Arns is also in here with me. We're watching some college baseball on the TV. Um, get you guys through the rest of your Monday evening. Sorry, round out the uh, rest of the seven o'clock hour. And then some coming up in a little bit. We'll be right back on the ticket. Back to the ticket weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here's your host, Nicole Griffin. All right, back here, ticket weeknights. No Nicole Griffith. Nick Sandert with you, Harrison, also in here as well. Um, so a little bit of update on college baseball. In a in kind of a night that's been it's full of winner take all games. Oklahoma and Florida are still in a rain delay. 
So they're probably not playing. Um, here's the thing. UConn is up 8-1 to one on Maryland, who is 15th seed in the country. Uh, so UConn is up 8-1. to one. They just hit another home run. They hit a grand slam earlier, I believe, in the bottom of the first. And uh, just bad day for the Big Ten. Um, here's what I'll say. Michigan-Louisville played earlier today. Michigan was 2-0 and at the time as Arkansas takes a 4-0 lead over Oklahoma State in a winner-take-all game. But Louisville and Michigan played earlier today, and Michigan was 2-0 and prior to last night's game, if that makes sense. So Louisville had to beat Michigan twice to eventually head on to the, the Super Regionals. Today in the winner-take-all game, they started at 11 a.m., Louisville was up seven to two, I believe, in like the third or fourth inning. Michigan came back, was up nine to seven, and then in one of the later innings, Louisville would have gotten thrown out at second. The call on the field was safe. They have instant replay, the capability here in the in the regionals. They went ahead and reviewed it, and they upheld the call. But if you look at the the replay, the video, it's all over on Twitter. It is pretty clear that the guy is tagged out before he reaches the base. So here's my my problem. I, I kind of have a problem with, with instant replay. Not because you have it or the, you have the capability here in, in the regionals. It's more because if you aren't going to get the call right, which is what replay is supposed to be for, then why even have it? Because now if you're if you're the Big Ten Conference or if you were a conference that actually cares about college baseball, unlike the Big Ten, then you're sitting here going, well, dang, man, Louisville ended up scoring four runs in that inning, and with that call, they would have ended the inning at 9-7, to Michigan up by two. But instead, it was 11-9, to heading into the top of the ninth inning, and Michigan has three outs to save their season in advance to the Super Regionals. But instead, Louisville drops a four spot after the blown call by the umpires. And a Big Ten champion gets bounced from the regional, doesn't get to go on to the super regionals. And now you sit here as the other two team, and this is why it's so bad to be a just a two-bid, uh, two-bid league, which the Big Ten is, because you're sitting here going, well, crap, Maryland's down 8-1 to one when Maryland was a 15 national seed, and they're losing to UConn. So, like, with this in mind, and down the road, we're expecting scholarship limits to kind of be erased, um, and, and they don't have to have scholarship limits right now. They have, like, are there a, baseball teams are allotted 11-point-something scholarships to be used. And so, with that in mind, if, if, the, if NCAA decides to erase the scholarship limits in college baseball or the Big Ten, then... Nebraska, a program like Nebraska is going to be able to allot uh, 20 or 25 scholarships for baseball. And so if you're the Big Ten Conference or even the NCAA, when we talk about the matters of gaining some respect, with not only in the conference or region, but also in the, in the country, then the NCAA is going to find out about the Big Ten schools that actually care about baseball. And those schools, off the top of my head, are probably going to be Nebraska, 
because people care about baseball here. Going to be Michigan because they've had postseason success and they're also paying their head coach, I believe, eight hundred and fifty grand to coach Michigan and Eric Backage paying him eight hundred and fifty grand. And you're sitting here going, all right, who else in the Big Ten? Is Maryland good or getting a national seed every single year? Probably not. Do they get 45 wins every year? Probably not. Especially when when Maryland, I, I believe Maryland has has hockey and uh, soccer and lacrosse as well. How how worried about baseball is Maryland? Maybe after this season, maybe they'll be better. How about Rutgers? They just got screwed out of a national or a regional bid because five seed Michigan decided to win the tournament. But they had got screwed out of the regional with 44 wins. Does Rutgers care about baseball? My, the only other school that off the top of my head that can be paired in the group with Nebraska and Michigan would be Indiana. But Indiana hasn't necessarily been great the last couple years. Haven't been fantastic or or amazing to watch since the days of Kyle Schwarber and that CWS run that they had that year. But in terms of national respect, that's where maybe if they're eventually able to cut off the scholarship limits and even if they're able to hire a third assistant coach, for example, because right now you can have two assistant coaches on staff and those two for Nebraska are Jeff Christie and Lance Harvell. Danny Marcuso is, is a volunteer guy. And so if you're sitting here and you can hire a third assistant coach, maybe that opens up the pocketbooks where we know Nebraska has money and has no problem spending a little bit more money, especially on baseball, especially when you have facilities like Haymarket Park or Hawks Field is. Because you sit here, think about last season. Last year, Nebraska went down to Arkansas Beats Arkansas, number one overall seed, the Razorbacks, who are up 4-0 to on number seven national seed right now, Oklahoma State. But you go down to Fayetteville, and you win one game against Arkansas. And then you go back, and you have a competitive second game trying to get to a Super Regional, when you probably shouldn't even have deserved to be in that Regional to begin with. But unfortunately, because of the conference that you're in, in the Big Ten, that gets no respect nationally or on a bigger level. You kind of got screwed over a little bit and sent to Fayetteville. And so, maybe if you're able to cut scholarships and Nebraska's able to, I don't know, I'm just throwing a number of 25 out there. 23 guys on their roster. They're able to offer full scholarships to guys. Maybe it starts to level the playing field a little bit with SEC. Maybe you're actually able to get 40-plus wins, and, and this is not just Nebraska. This is a Big Ten school kind of thing. Michigan, well, not probably not Michigan State. Michigan would be able to do it on a national level. You might be able to, I mean, the, the conversations that we were having after the Arkansas Regional last year was, all right, now this following season in 2022, 2023, or excuse me, I guess it would be 2021, 2022, this following year, Nebraska has an opportunity to gain nation, true national respect because it they opened some eyes last year down in Fayetteville. And especially after that run that they went on to close out the regular season, winning the Big Ten title, Will Bolt getting a raise in his, what 
I mean, technically was his first full year. This was technically his first full year with a non-conference schedule and all. Considering two years ago it was canceled because of the pandemic and then last year was a COVID-only schedule. Or a conference-only, not COVID-only. Conference-only schedule. However, Nebraska didn't back it up this year. And so the conversation that we were having of, yeah, Nebraska could get some national respect if they follow this up with a really strong year, whether they host a regional, whether they travel to, I don't know, somewhere that where the 14th seed in the country is playing. Get a little more favorable. If Nebraska goes there, maybe they, they can continue to open eyes. Or if they have 38 or 40 wins. Because that always kind of seems like the, the benchmark that you want to get to. 40. F- close to it. If you're a Big Ten team, probably 40. If you're somebody else from the SEC, 34 is okay. 34 wins are can get you in sometimes. Yeah, and to add on that, like you you really do just have to win out like crazy yeah. in the Big Ten. You know how many games I turned on this year where I want to watch a Big Ten matchup and they just have a still camera panning the entire field? The Big Ten does not push no, it at all. No, and that's the thing. So when, when you talk about fan attendance also – we talk about fan attendance at college or at uh, the Big Ten tournament at Charles Schwab Field a couple weeks ago. I went to the championship game, and there were more people that were showing up during the game than there were to start the game. So what does that tell you? That it's people from the state of Nebraska, stragglers, that just say, hey, yeah, I can buy a ticket for 10 bucks. All right, I'll go in. I'll go into Charles Schwab Field, watch the Big Ten title between Michigan and Rutgers. All right, I'm good. So they show up in the fifth inning, and then they watch a Big Ten champion get crowned. Maybe if you bring better talent, and a way that you can do that maybe is is by cutting the scholarship limit and being able to actually compete with the SEC teams or the ACC teams. The ACC had nine bids. Four of them were hosts. Four of them hosted. Four of them were two seeds. And one was a three seed. It's truly remarkable when you just look at the landscape of the SEC or you watch just SEC baseball, I dare anybody to go and turn on the Arkansas-Oklahoma State game right now and the types of players that you see from those programs and then you turn on a Michigan-Rutgers. Now, that's nothing against Michigan and Rutgers. That's just kind of the way that they've been handcuffed in the Big Ten Conference. But you turn on these guys and it's, just they, they just look different. We talk about it in football. When you're in high school, you're able to see just a dude that looks different. The same thing for these guys. And that's why 75%, if not more, of Arkansas's roster last year is going to be able to play professionally, whether that's in the majors or minors, I guess, or independent ball. It's remarkable if you truly think about it, just how far and how big of a gap it is between the Big Ten <coughs> Excuse me, the Big Ten and the SEC. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Maryland is only trailing 9-2 to two now in the top of the fifth. They have runners on first and second with nobody out. They're up to bat currently. Arkansas is still up 4-0 to zero on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's hitting has runners on first and second with, I believe, one out. And North Carolina is trying to close out VCU to, attend, or to uh, move on to the Super Regional. All right, let's take our break. As Maryland is going to narrow the deficit even more, it looks like nine to three now. 
Uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. Got a couple more breaks. Got a couple more commercials before we round out the 7 o'clock hour you're listening to the Ticket Weeknights. Nick and uh, Harrison are with you on a Monday. We'll talk to you in a couple minutes. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here's your host, Nicole Griffin. All right, so unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of time because uh, we still got to get another commercial break in here. 402-464-5685. Appreciate you guys hanging on um, wherever you may be watching, listening from. Once again, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Starter Heyman text line. Both those continue to be open for you guys. Um, what's what's interesting here, oh, you can also interact with the show, Starter Heyman, video stream, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, all those available for you. You can also hit me up on my personal Twitter, Nick underscore Saner as well. Nicole will be back next week, so you guys will be good there. Um, I'll be back here with Nicole next Monday. She's just out of town for a wedding right now, so hence why I am riding solo, but I guess not not completely solo. Harrison's here with me as well. Uh, Maryland has kind of started to come back. It's in the top of the fifth. Maryland has trimmed the deficit to four. They now trail UConn nine to five, so I guess... In the in the land of college baseball and regionals, it's not necessarily over, but it's you know it's somewhat close um, here in the top of the fifth. Okay, so a couple things before we head out, I want to since we don't have a lot of time here in this segment, I'm, I'm going to talk Lincoln Salt Dogs for a moment because I was going to have the voice of the Salt Dogs, Michael Dixon, on this evening, but he's under the weather because of the road trip. They've been having some some long road trips. They were they were uh, it would have been thirteen and. 4 13 and 5, excuse me, a couple days ago. But they've lost 5 of their last 6. Their record now for the Salt Dogs are 14 and 11. Tomorrow night they start another series at home here from Haymarket Park. The first place Chicago Dogs and their 15 and 6 record come into town for a three-game series starting tomorrow night. This reminded me Harrison, I don't know, are you a big minor league baseball guy? Are you a big baseball guy? Not a super big baseball okay. guy. So some of the my favorite things in the world. Holy crap, Ole Miss is beating Arizona twenty-two to six. Um, some of my favorite things in the entire world, minor league baseball names. Okay, so like I have a shirt that's uh Rocket City Trash Pandas. Like, they're the Trash Pandas. <laughs> Which one There's, is the Savannah Savannah Bananas, bananas are another one. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. like, Savannah Bananas are a little different because they're, like, a summer baseball league yeah. for college guys. Um, I actually had a buddy that played for the Savannah Bananas, so it's kind of fun to, to hear about his stories and wearing a kilt while he's playing baseball and stuff like that. So... So, there's, like, Savannah Bananas. I was looking up some of the names in the American Association, and... Uh, here are just a couple of names. So we already talked about, I mean, the salt dogs, obviously. People forget, like, the salt dogs, salt dogs. Like, we just kind of are just used to saying it. Um, it it's kind of a, a, a peculiar name. The Chicago Dogs are one of them. The Milwaukee Milkmen. The Lake County Dockhounds. And and then the Gary South Shore Railcats. <laughs> I don't know what a railcat is. I don't know what a dockhound is. But I don't even know what a milkman is. Milkman, like a milkman. Do they are milkman still? No, they're relevant? not. They're not prevalent, but okay. they, they got a warm place in our hearts. Okay, so we we care about milkman. But anyway, just reminds me that some of the best minor league names 
just you never know where they're at. Um, I'm trying to think of some more. Let me if I can just pull them up really quickly here before we take our final final break. Minor league baseball names. Um, I know when I've talked about this on my show before, there's been a lot of of interaction. Montgomery Biscuits are another one. The uh, Canapolis Intimidators. Clinton Lumber Kings, Fort Wayne Tin Caps, uh, Sand Nats. You got Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Exactly, That's a sick one. <laughs> exactly. Like the uh, Bowling Green Hot Rods. Um, let's see what other a couple more before we take our final time out. The Richmond Flying Squirrels, the Toledo Mud Hens, um, Chattanooga Lookouts, Round Rock Express, Albuquerque Isotopes, Frisco Rough Riders. It, it just a lot of lot of interesting wacky names, and I, I actually Here's do a enjoy really it. Really good one, Armarillo Sod Poodles. Exactly the <laughs> Sod Poodles. So that's what I'm saying. Minor league baseball teams they get slept on for how good their names are and how creative they are. All right, let's go ahead and uh, yeah. Cleet says this on the text line: the Carolina Mudcats. That's what I'm saying. Great stuff. Um, let's go ahead and take our final time out. We'll round out Ticket Weeknights coming up next on 93.7 The Ticket. Back to the Ticket Weeknights. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here's your host, Nicole Griffin. All right, so no Nicole Griffith tonight. If you haven't gotten the the information or the the warning, no Nicole Griffith tonight. Nick Sainert with you, Harrison Arns next to me. Appreciate him hanging out. Um, So, change of plans. The deep end is happening. So, there'll be... Here, Reagan and Madison will be here at 8 o'clock here just in a couple minutes. They're going to boot me from the studio, which I'm okay with. They'll boot me from the studio, and they will uh, take over from 8 to 9 tonight. A couple things before we leave. So we're going to try to squish this here in a couple minutes. I I don't know if you guys saw this today. Darvin Ham, the new Lakers coach, had his press conference today, and he had something interesting to say with Russell Westbrook standing in the back watching him and listening to him have what he had to say. Here's here's Darvin Ham, the new Lakers coach. Don't, don't get it messed up. Russ is one of the best players our league has ever seen. And there's still a ton left in that tank. I don't know why people tend to try to write him off. I'm going to approach him like I do every player I've ever encountered. We're going to talk about our running habits with the ball, without the ball. And again, the, to- the, the team, the, the rhythm of the team and, and trying to establish a rhythm. Okay, please play that first part just one more time. Don't don't get it messed up. Russ is one of the best players our league has ever seen. And there's still a ton left in that tank. I don't know why people tend to try to write him off. Okay. Russ. I'm going to write him off yet. Go ahead. Go ahead, Harrison. You're, You're more of an NBA guy than I am, so what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I get what he's doing. He's on your roster. You're not going to be like, yeah, he's kind of washed. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but and and but what makes this even funnier is that in the video, ESPN posted it on on Twitter. So go check it out there. They they pan to Russell Westbrook standing in the back, just with his arms crossed, watching his new coach Darvin Ham just kind of say all these things about him. Triple double season just coming up. Super super awkward, in my opinion, because you're just sitting here. And you're like, yeah, what are you talking about, Darvin, coach? Russ Westbrook is one of the best players our game has ever seen. And I I understand the season that he had where he averaged triple-double. Like, I get that. But that's not equating to wins. 
And at the end of this whole thing, what are we going to be asking ourselves? Did Russell Westbrook win championships or did he average a triple-double? Yeah, and he's he's had a lot of really troublesome like post game yeah. press conferences, and he's like, everyone gets mad at me when I don't average triple double, and it's like, no, we get mad when you're forcing the <laughs> exactly. ball, turning it over. We don't need we we just need you to score, you know, fifteen, and then spread the ball and just keep it moving. But exactly, he he just apparently from what I've heard and seen, he just doesn't still quite get that. Yeah, so just just pretty questionable stuff. All right, we got about a minute left here before we turn it over to uh, Reagan and and Madison, so go ahead and hit that button there. Um, Just to kind of give you score updates here before we round things out, looks like Florida and Oklahoma have resumed play after a a five-and-a-half-hour rain delay, and Florida is up 2-1 to on the Sooners. The winner of that game actually has some uh, implications for us here at the station. The winner of this game advances to Blacksburg, Virginia, and plays Virginia Tech in the Super Regional So shout-out to Nathan for that. Um, Women's College World Series update. Texas is beating Oklahoma State, the seven-seed Oklahoma State Cowboy or Cowgirl, excuse me, 5-0. Texas is unseeded and are three outs away from knocking off Oklahoma State and forcing a winner-take-all game later tonight. A couple other scores. Avalanche of Colorado at the end of the first period are beating the Oilers 1-0, and that's pretty much it. For Harrison Arns, I'm Nick Sinner. See ya.